All right, we're back, Hooter Thunkers, with the second half of my story called Trash Bandits that I wrote for my Nen last Christmas. And we're going to be starting off with part four, titled Midnight Spies. And living with Tilly is a dream come true. I love being fed the best foods humans have to offer, sleeping in the comfiest nest in the world, and being shown so much love from my human companion. I don't worry about bears or the cold. And Brox is my best coon friend, but Tilly is definitely my best human friend. Tilly and I get along great. We both wash our paws before we eat, love to eat peanut butter cookies, and enjoy playing. I show her the proper way to play in the woods and the snow. She shows me how humans wash their mouths with brushes every night with a very tasty blue ooze. Tilly and I also have fun in the bathtub with all of the bubbles. No matter how hard I try, I can't seem to teach Tilly how to speak coon. No surprise, humans are terrible at learning any kind of wood speak. I've learned quite a bit of what she is talking about in human, but she doesn't understand a single word that comes out of my fangs. So instead, I get my point across by shaking my butt when I want to go outside or pointing to things if they catch my interest. It's no, per- it's not perfect, but it is the best I can do when I'm working with a human. Days pass with it being just Tilly and I. I almost forget about my raccoon clan in the woods until Brock shows up outside Tilly's window one night. Of course, Tilly didn't notice him because her senses are so dull. I can't blame her. She is a human after all. But I shake my butt and she takes me outside so I can catch up with my old pal. Rocco, you're alive! I'm so glad to see you, Brock says as he rushes in for a big hug. I don't know how you were able to escape, but I'm glad you made it out. Brox says as he grabs my paw and tries to haul me off to the woods. I yank my paw away from him. Stop, Brox. I don't I didn't escape. I like it here. I don't want to go back to the clan. My words make Brox turn and face me. Uh, he's got a suspicious look on his face. Did they brainwash you? Uh, my mom told me about this one time humans brainwash coons with a big plastic bag they have in the middle of their den. They even brainwash them by sitting in the front of it all day. It's a real thing, Rocco. And what are you talking about, Brox? Your mom is full of bear droppings. Uh, humans don't brainwash coons. That box is just what the adult humans do for fun when they come home. The human named Tilly is my friend. She feeds me peanut butter and everything, I tell Brox. That's exactly what a brainwashed coon would say, peanut butter. It doesn't exist, Rocco. You become a brain slave to the man. Let's go back to the clan. I'm sure Snicked will be able to fix your brain. Now Brox is getting on my nerves. Snicked? You think Snick can fix me? Uh, That old old coot is so scared of humans, he kept us in the woods for longer than he should have, while our gatherers were injured almost every night. I already told you, Brox, I'm not going back to the clan. Brox heard how serious my tone was. Well, at least let me come by and check on you every once in a while to make sure you aren't brainwashed. I told Brox he could check on me as long as he didn't catch the attention of the adult humans or their short-haired wolf uh, they call Frigo. He may be a bit crazy, but Brox is my best friend. I'm not about to push him away. Brox and I went back to the went back to catching up. I told him all I told him about all the fun things Tilly shows me each day. Brock starts by telling me about all the things going on with the clan. Uh, when his jaw drops open, he let out a gasp and took off for the woods. My instincts kick in and I turn to see what scares my friend half to death, but I fail to notice at all. It was Tilly. 
I wonder if she'll get upset knowing I met another coon. That's when she scoops me up and pets me. As expected, there is nothing to worry about. Tilly has no problem with me meeting with other coons. Life is good. A few more days go by. Tilly and I are still enjoying each other's company. And now, I get to keep up with Brox. I've got the best of both worlds. Tilly and I spend the entire day outside, playing in snow and sliding on the ice. When we come back for the day, she takes me to the bathtub to get me all warm and scrub me clean. Then she takes me back to her room, wraps me up in her soft blankets, and we doze off for the night. I'm not the biggest fan of sleeping at night, but uh, a coon can get used to just about anything with the right amount of peanut butter and snuggles. Before getting into bed that night, Tilly spots something out of the window. She opens it to see what is lurking outside. I catch a whiff of coon scent, something or coming into the bedroom with the cold air. It smells like Brock's, but he's with someone else. Tilly gives up trying to figure out what is outside and shuts the window, but I'm convinced I'm going to confront them the second she drifts off to sleep. A few minutes later, Tilly is snoring into her pillow fast asleep. Luckily, when she opens the window earlier, she forgot to lock it shut. I carefully crawl out of bed, making sure I don't wake her. Slinking over to the window, I pry it open just enough for me to squeeze outside. I leave it open just a crack so I can easily slip back into Tilly's bedroom after a few minutes. Brox, I know you're out here. I can smell you. I call out to the howling wind. The night feels very cold on my whiskers. The moonlight is completely drowned out by the large flakes of snow falling in falling from the sky. Who is with you, and why are you sneaking around? You know Tilly won't hurt you. A few seconds after I call out for him, Brock comes scampering out from behind a nearby bush. Behind him is another young coon we grew up with named Claps. Hey, Rocco. How you doing tonight? You remember Claps, right? Brock's asked me. Brock's is acting strange. Normally, he would be asking me if I've been brainwashed by the humans, um, a big glowing box they call a TV. Yeah, I remember Claps. Uh, his dad and older brother are some of the clan's best food gatherers, I respond. The cold air is getting to me already, and the snow is falling so fast it is starting to muffle the sounds of our voices. I move into, moving closer uh, to the two other coons standing in front of me. As Brox and I are talking, Claps is standing in the snow, not saying a word, and he's looking at me suspiciously. I decide, I decide to confront him. What brings you here, Claps? Uh, what's your deal? Claps raises his paw and points his finger at me. Me? What are you doing here? Living amongst the humans like you are one of them. You have gone crazy, Rocco. Keep it down, Claps. The humans have a short-haired wolf living with them. He's not the friendliest towards strange coons, I warn him. Clap ignores my warning. Brox told me what you are doing here. The clan thought you had gone missing or that you were run over by one of the humans' fast-rolling machines. Claps continued to shout at me. This is worse, Rocco. I had to see it for my own eyes before I told Snick and the rest of the clan that you have been living here with the humans. We are supposed to be... Claps is cut off mid-sentence by a loud barking coming from behind him. An instant later, Frigo, the human's black-haired short... Er, black, short-haired wolf, uh, comes crashing through the brush behind where Brox and Claps are standing. All three of us coons try to evade him as he sprints toward us with his jaws wide open. Me being the farthest away makes a clean getaway. Brox also escapes Frigo's fury. Then I hear a muffled crunching noise and Claps cries out in pain. When I turn my head back around, I see Brox running head first past me. 
He's too afraid for his own life to turn and see what is happening to collapse. Past Brock's, I see Frigo with his head down, fur and blood hanging out of his mouth. He's snarling at Claps just a few feet in front of him. Claps is still moving, thank goodness. I waste no time in turning to, turning to get Claps away from Frigo's wrath. Sprinting to get between the two of them, I feel an immense amount of fear. The only reason I, I'm not running away with Brox is because that fear is overpowered by a need to save Claps from his impending doom. I reach Claps and put my tiny body in front of him, laying down in the snow, bleeding from his fresh wound. Up until this point, Frigo had kept his distance from me. He made it clear he didn't want me in his den, but he never snapped at me. Tonight was different. Tonight, Frigo had the taste of blood in his mouth, and he wasn't backing down. As I'm standing in between Frigo and his prey, with my arms stretched out wide, I heard Frigo lunge towards me. I think I'm going to end it. I think I'm going to end up in his jaws. Down, Frigo, down! I hear Tilly yell as she jumps in front of me. She's barefoot in the snow, wearing her pajamas and holding Frigo by his collar. She must have heard all the commotion and leapt out of her bedroom window just in time to save me. I look up at her with my mouth wide open in amazement. She is standing there, towering above me, with the lights from her den illuminating all the huge flakes of snow falling around her. She is a force to be reckoned with tonight. Tilly, my hero, I think to myself. You saved me. Tilly swings her head around at me and gives me a look of distress. Tilly may be much bigger than me, but she's struggling to keep Frigo under control as he barks in anger. I run towards Claps to try and bring him to safety, but Tilly stops me. Leave him. Run inside, Rocco. Go. She commands me. I'm, I'm not a fan of leaving Claps there in the cold, bleeding, but I trust Tilly. I jump inside her bedroom window that is still open, putting distance from myself and the furious canine. More than my first night of gathering food in the woods, my heart is practically pounding out of my chest. I contemplate getting up on Tilly's bed for a better view of what's going on outside, when all of a sudden the bedroom door comes swinging open. Tilly, what's going on in here? Are you okay? It, it is Tilly's father. The one they call Frank. He's one of the two humans that are never supposed to see me in this house. Sweetie, is everything all right in here? And that is Ruth Ann, Tilly's mother. She's the other human that is never supposed to see me in this house. Both of Tilly's parents are standing in the bedroom doorway, staring at me, laying on Tilly's bedroom floor. <laughs> the bedroom window is wide open. The snow that was at my feet outside followed me in to the bedroom and is laying all around me. Her dad reacts almost immediately. Frank grabs a blanket from Tilly's bed, uses it as a makeshift net uh, by throwing it over top of me. I panic by flailing around inside the dark blanket, uh, but it is no use. Frank is too strong. He picks me up and carries me away without hesitation. I am unable to see anything, but I do recognize the sounds around me. I know Frank is taking me out of Tilly's bedroom, through the living room, and out to a colder part of the house. This colder part of the house is where Tilly's family stores their fast-rolling machines. I think they call them cars. Frank takes me to the corner of his, of this cold car storage room. He picks something up and makes it a makes a met, metallic racket. Next thing I know, I'm being shoved inside. Stay in here until we can figure out what to do with you, little guy, Frank says to me. He sounds like Tilly, but with a little less compassion in his voice. Once I hear Frank leave the room, I struggle to make my way out of the blanket. It takes me a few minutes, but eventually I poke my head out and find I'm in a metal cage. Frank has imprisoned me with nothing more than a blanket to keep warm. This is 
my story Trash Bandits Part 5 titled The Jig Is Up. Sound asleep in my cozy bed just a few days before Christmas, I'm dreaming of introducing my family to my little raccoon friend. They accept him into our home as a real pet. It is a pleasant dream. Then I hear barking coming from outside my window. Wait, uh, that isn't part of my dream. Snapping to attention and out of my dream, I quickly pull back to the back the covers of my bed. The barking continues outside. I have to go see what Frigo is barking, or why Frigo is barking. So I set both of my feet onto the hardwood floor. No need to check on Rocco or if he still is asleep in my bed. Something tells me he might have something to do with all this racket. I see my bedroom window is already cracked open. That explains the cool breeze I felt. Looking out the window, I see Frigo biting into a small raccoon laying in the snow. My heart drops. Frigo, our dog, has bitten little Rocco on the leg. But then I see another raccoon running towards the wounded coon in the snow. I, re I recognize him. The one running towards Frigo is Rocco. I push open my window and jump out of the snow. If Rocco is trying to help this little, his little friend from being torn apart from Frigo, he's going to need my help. Acting fast, I grab Frigo by the collar and hold him back. I see, Fro Fr I see Rocco uh, running towards the injured coon. Leave him. Run inside, Rocco. Go. I tell Rocco for his own safety. I watch Rocco jump back inside through my bedroom window. Now I only need to worry about the injured raccoon in front of me. Frigo is normally a good dog. It's only when he thinks our family's in danger he gets riled up like he is tonight. He must have heard all these little raccoons snooping around the house and come outside through his doggy door. The snow is cold in my bare feet, but I kneel down next to Frigo to give him a hug and calm him down. It works. He doesn't take my he doesn't take his eye off of the injured raccoon, but he stops barking and I feel his muscles relax a bit. I let go of Frigo's collar to tend to the injured coon. This little fragile coon, about the same size as Rocco, is lying in the snow, out cold. I've, I kneel down to him to see if he is still alive. I see the fur on his chest is, having, is heaving back and forth, uh, so he must be breathing. Keeping Frigo back, I carefully scoop up, up the injured raccoon. The best way I could think uh, to carry him was a bit odd. Using my shirt, I grabbed the bottom front of it and pulled it up towards my face, making a large makeshift pocket in front of my abdomen. I placed the injured coon in there so I wouldn't accidentally drop him. Heading inside through my bedroom window and through the living room uh, and through to the living room, I see my mother standing in the doorway to the garage. Dad's come up the garage steps with a puzzled look on his face. I waste no time and beg them to take me to the veterinarian hospital in town. Claps at the veterinarian's clap at the veterinarian's office. Now that's a picture of that on the blog. Normally, Dad and Mom aren't ones to spend money on wild animals veterinarian bills. However, me my pleading got through to them, and we take a car ride to the vet. My guess is they feel extra caring because it was so close to Christmas time. Uh, they know how much I care for all, all animals. The veterinarian takes the little injured raccoon in and stitches him up. He says the coon must stay there overnight and we should be able to pick him up in the morning. I'm glad the little raccoon is going to be all right. Our family always seems to have our best conversations in the car. So on the car ride home from the vet, dad asked me why he found a different raccoon laying in my bedroom floor. It is clear the jig is up and I decide to come clean 
to mom and dad. I tell them all about the night I met Rocco and how he has been living in my room for the past couple of days. Honey, I know you care about animals, but you can't just bring a wild creature into our house, much less into our bed, dad lectures me. Now your sheets need to be cleaned for sure, mom complains. He's not filthy, mom. I washed Rocco in the bathtub plenty of times, I told her, uh, but... That, that seems to just gross her out even more. And dad, I know keeping him from you both was wrong, but technically I didn't bring him in the house. I found Rocco inside. I'm pretty sure he used the doggy door. You know what I mean, Tilly, dad said. I love that you care about animals, but we have to set some boundaries. No more wild animals in the house. Also, I don't care what injured creature you find next. I'm not forking over my money for another vet bill. Unless it is for our own pets. I can't believe I paid for this bill as it is. Dad can, Dad can get fired up over paying bills pretty easily. Dad continues, Tonight your little friend Rocco is staying in the garage. I put a blanket in there for him to stay warm. He will survive. When we all go home from the vet, I go to bed without another word. I think about going in, out to the garage, sleeping with Rocco while uh, would be nice again. But I feel I have already disappointed mom and dad enough for one night. The next morning, I am awoken by Dad knocking on my bedroom door. Tilly, your mom and I went and picked up your hurt raccoon from the vet. I didn't know if you wanted to say goodbye to him and the one in our garage. We are letting them go soon. I walk outside with my parents to let the two raccoons go. Rocco looks at me with anticipation. I don't think he knows what is going on, but I gesture to the woods as if to say, Go back. My gesture and the fact that my parents are standing behind me seem to give Rocco the idea to go back uh, with the other coons. Has anyone seen Frigo this morning? My mom asks with no, with no one and no one had. Last I saw him was last night, right after he bit the little raccoon, I said. Frigo, come here, boy. Where are you? My dad calls out. I notice all the noise catches the attention of Rocco and his little friend. I'm pretty sure Rocco can recognize the name Frigo. He might even know that we are looking for him. That's when Rocco temporarily leaves his friend's side to come and hug my ankle. It feels like a goodbye. Then Rocco runs back to help the limping raccoon. Now instead of slowly making their way back to the woods, Rocco is at it with a hurried pace. That was part five. This is part six, titled Whiskers Held High. It is cold in here. It smells like oil, and this cage is too cramped. I'm glad Tilly's father left me this blanket. It is so cold in here that without it, I might freeze to death. There is one upside to my situation. Uh, being trapped in a cage all night uh, really gives a coon a time to think and reflect. I know I like Tilly, but being away from all my friends in the woods, not to mention my own mother, has gotten to me. I miss them all. In just a few short days, living with Tilly has caused all this strife among both our families. Poor Claps is injured, Tilly's parents have imprisoned me, and I'm sure Tilly is in some sort of trouble. Maybe it is time for me to go back to the woods. Maybe this life, life of soft nests, warm cuddles, and endless peanut butter cookies is too good to be true. I doubt such a misbehaved coon like me even deserves such a life of luxury. When, if, when, no, if I ever get out of this cage, I should probably go back to the woods and pretend none of, the, none of this ever happened. Hopefully Brox doesn't blame me of, uh, for Claps' injury, and maybe by some miracle Snicked will accept me back into the clan. Who am I to try and live a different life? I will just go back to the scavenging for food like the rest of the gatherers. 
All of a sudden, I hear human. I hear human voices again. Those deep baritone sounds only come from Tilly's dad. Next, the garage door swings open, and I feel the air pressure in in this cold concrete room change. The lights appear over my head. They are blinding after all this time in the dark. Time to go home, little fella. Back to where you belong. I hear Tilly's father say. He lifts my cage up and carries me outside to the short grass. Now stay, little buddy, while I open the box trap. The end of my cage makes a terrible creaking noise, and an opening appears for me to escape through. I quickly make it past the edges of the cage. No chance of going back inside that awful contraption he calls a box trap. Then I see Tilly standing nearby. She's holding Claps. He's alive. Last I saw Claps. We were getting in an argument, by, uh, but seeing him now, I am filled with joy to see he is all right. Has anyone seen Frigo this morning? Tilly's mom asks out of the blue. Last I saw him was last night, right after he bit the little raccoon, Tilly responds. Frigo, come here, boy. Where are you? Tilly's father bellows. Frigo, the human short-haired wolf, must be missing. If he chased after Brock's last night, there's a chance he found the clan. There's no time to waste. I must get back to the clan before Frigo does any damage. There's no telling what calamity awaits me back in the woods. My inevitable doom may even come today. But I am no coward. Tilly's acts of bravery last night, saving me from Frigo's jaws, has shown me uh, what makes a true hero. I will face today with my whiskers held high. But first, I must say goodbye. I'll return in just a moment, Claps. I tell my injured friend I leave his side just for a moment, so I can embrace Tilly's leg. Tears form in my eyes. I don't know how long that embrace lasted, but it feels like one of the most meaningful gestures of my entire life. Goodbye, Tilly, I think to myself. Then I make my way for the woods. Claps is exhausted, and I'm not much better off. We reach the outskirts of our clan's home, and I hear a commotion coming from over the hill. Breathing hard, my chest heaving from our haste, I take Claps claps his arm off my shoulders so i can get a better look wait here claps i'm going to scout things out i assure him my paws fall silently on the moss covered boulder so i can observe the situation without being discovered i pop my head over and see brock's cowering by his mother among the crowd of our raccoon clan they are all facing snicked he's standing on top of an old tree trunk as if he's about to give a speech a few yards behind him behind snick i see a large patch of wet mud it appears something is moving inside something big i reposition myself to get a closer look it's frigo just then snick begins to speak fear not my fellow coons this danger is over snick bellows to the rest of the clan the intruder has been subdued with the help of the brave gatherers, I was able to trap the short-haired wolf in the sludge of the natural spring behind me. The pit is from the spring water, and somehow Snick, got, Snick had trapped Frigo inside. I have decided the vicious intruder should be put to death, Snick declares. For if he should be left alive and set free, he would draw more short-haired wolves and their humans to our clan. I hear gaps coming from the rest of the clan. I, it seems most of them aren't totally on board with Snick's decision, and neither am I. Knowing full well that uh, no one else will stand up to Snick, I charge down the small hill I've been hiding behind. We can't kill Frigo, I yelled to the clan. He may be intimidating, but he's merely protecting his own clan. My words startle the crowd below. 
Among the other coons, my, ma my mother turns towards me. Her face is slightly confused, but mostly she looks relieved to see I'm all right. I see Brock's in the crowd, and he looks just as relieved as my mother. The only face in the crowd not happy to see me it is its patriarch, Snicked. Who are you to make de declarations? Snicked questions. We thought you were dead, but come to find you've abandoned our clan for half a fortnight to live amongst the humans. How are we to trust your judgment? How are we to know you haven't been put under uh, one of their spells? You can question my character all you want, Snicked, I reply, but I will not do the same in return. I propose only that we do not murder the helpless creature you have imprisoned. I put my paw I pointed my paw over to the shivering, scared canine behind Snicked. You suggest we commit cold blooded murder, but our clan is more than that. We are better than that. The crowd gives sounds of approval. Among them is Brock's. Mercy, he screams. His display of courage brings a brief smile to my face. I befriended a human a young human named Tilly, I continue. Just last night, she protected me from the very same short-haired wolf that is behind you now. His name is Frigo, and he was only going to attack because Claps was spying on the humans and myself. Frigo only acts out of protection. We heard we heard of this vicious attack, Snick barks in anger. Brox told us how he killed poor Claps. No sooner did Snick speak uh, of his demise when Claps himself came limping over the hill behind me. Claps' mother and the rest of his family cried with delight at the sight of their son. I speak again to the crowd. No one was killed last night. Frigo's bite was not deadly, but that of a warning. Although his human clan is to be respected, they are not bloodthirsty. Mercy is what we should show our prisoner. Peace is what we should make with the human clan. The combination of my words and the sight of Claps igniting the crowd and cheers of approval. Enough! Snicked roared as he leapt from his tree stump stage. The humans and their short-haired wolf are not to be trusted. I will kill the beast and be done with this. His face is filled with his familiar look of pain and fear. Snicked runs for the mud patch where Frigo is imprisoned. He's carrying, he's carrying a wooden spear in his right paw. The crowd begins to gasp in disbelief. I move as quickly as I can towards Snicked. I try and draw upon the bravery I've been displaying ever since I left Tilly's hug early this morning. I'll need it if I am going to stop the largest and most seasoned gatherer in our clan. By all rational understanding, I am no match for Snicked. I race down the hill I've been standing on for the encounter so far. My paws are running as fast as they can possibly go. I speed through the crowd towards Snick, but he is very fast. I fear there is no way I can catch him in time. That is when I notice I am not the only coon in the pursuit of Snick. It, it isn't Snick's loyal gatherers chasing after him. No, it is the clan mothers. All of them are running past me, quickly catching up to Snick. The looks on their faces are fierce and determined. Their speed is frightening. At the head of the clan mothers is Claps's mother, Brox's mother, and my own mom. Snicked is still out ahead of the mothers, chasing him. He is, stops running on all fours and stands up on his hind legs. Snicked reaches Frigo, who is still shivering and whining in pain and fear. He pulls back his right paw with his wooden spear in hand, intending on ending the helpless canine's life. All three of our mothers reach Snicked just before he plunges his wooden spear into Frigo's flesh. They tackle our fearful leader down into the snow on the ground. It is an amazing act of heroism to see. 
My mother has hold of Snick's left hind leg. Brox's mother has hold of his right hind leg. And Claps's mom has Snick's pinned in a full mount position. All of our moms look angry, but Claps's mom is practically breathing fire at his at this point. She pins Snick's arms to the ground and snaps his wooden spear in half. Let go of me right now, Snick screams in protest as he struggles in the snow. But the mothers aren't letting up. They are strong and no longer listen to his fear-fueled words. Instead, the mothers start seeing, freeing Frigo from the cold mud he is trapped in currently. I look at my mom, which is uh, with so much pride, I had no idea uh, she could be so heroic. That was part six. This is part seven. Goodbye for now. Snick's reign as leader of our clan is officially over. The clan mothers made it happen, and now they as a collective are stepping up to make decisions for our future. Instead of one coon making all the decisions, they decide what is best for us, for all of us. It seems uh, to be a it seems to be a change for the better. The Council of Mothers' uh, first decision was to be merciful to Snick. Instead of voting to exile him from the clan, they let him stay with us. I take it upon myself to escort Frigo back to the human clan. He's shaken up, uh, but there are no serious injuries from his time in the mud pit. I know Tilly and her parents will be able to warm him up and have him back good as new in no time. While Frigo and I walk back to the human's log den... I don't feel the same resentment from from him that I did before. Maybe he is too cold and tired, but I like to think he's softened up to me for another reason. I'd like to think he's found a deeper respect for me and for all raccoons. Frigo and I make it to the tree line and continue on to the short grass surrounding the human's den. This is, a cl- this is as close to the humans as I plan to go, at least for today. Frigo saunters on past me. He's eager to see his beloved humans. The short-haired wolf stops uh, for just a brief moment and turns his head back towards me. Thank you for saving me, Rocco. He mutters in common wood speak. Then he continues his trek to the human's den. My jaw dropped open and uh, just slightly in disbelief. All this time, Frigo uh, hadn't said a word to me. I just assumed he had been too domesticated to speak with us wild folk. No problem, I offer in reply as I watch him make his way back through <clears throat> through his small plastic flap, opening the humans, what the humans call a doggy door. It doesn't take long after Frigo enters the human den for the sounds of exultation and relief to be heard from within. It still puzzles me why these humans love that short-haired wolf so much. Another moment passes and I see Tilly uh, peer outside from the window. She spots me. Tilly makes her way outside and to the tree line where I'm waiting. Hey, Rocco, I'm I'm so glad you're okay, she says to me. I don't know what all happened, but thank you for bringing Frigo home to me, to us. Tomorrow's Christmas, and it wouldn't have been the same without our Frigo. I have no idea what Christmas is, but in reply, I climb up her pants, legs, and to her arms. We exchange a hug. Tilly pets me and makes me feel loved again. I'm going to miss this. I think to myself. Then Tilly pulls out a peanut butter cookie from her pocket. I gobble it up with excitement. I am also going to miss those cookies. <laughs> Enjoy that cookie. Dad says I'm not allowed to give my give any more of them to woodland critters, she says. I'll miss you, Rocco. Both Tilly and I shed a few tears. We both know this is a goodbye. For now. That is the end of Trash Bandits. I, like I said, I wrote that for my Nen in Christmas of 2019. I enjoyed writing it. I, I really enjoyed reading it. I hope you enjoyed listening to it.
Um, Tune in next week and check out the blog post for this story. Um, You can see all the illustrations that I drew and my girlfriend colored. I'll include the link in the description. Thanks for listening, Huda Thunkers. Tune in next week. Catch you later.